0: Hello, friends. Welcome to Homegrown KC, a podcast dedicated to exploring Kansas City's fascinating history and sharing stories from its rich past. I'm your host, Laura. Join me today as we explore a piece of Kansas City's history. Okay, so everybody knows this.
1: Double tight, both left, now Gonzalez motion right. Off tackle, lead play. Holmes gets a block from Answer. Richardson in the backfield. Fifteen, ten, five, juke and right, touchdown! Kansas City touchdown. Priest-
0: That's right, peeps. Today in episode one, we are going to explore the history of the Kansas City Chiefs. First we're gonna go back to December twenty-second, nineteen sixty-six aka the fateful day, or football's longest day." Kind of love that. Let me set the scene for you. Alright, so picture this. It's almost Christmas, it's bloody cold, and it's snowing, I don't remember if my sources said it was actually snowing or not, and this particular story takes place in Dallas, so it's probably not snowing, but for ambience, we're going to say it is. Okay, cupcake. Okay. All right, so it's snowing. Um, This is the early 60s, so TV's pretty new. There's only like three channels in the world. (gasps) I know. So terrible. No such thing as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or Netflix. Ugh, the worst. The biggest game of the year, though, okay? It's being broadcast on television. So, what do you think everybody's doing? They're watching the football game, of course. And it's the ultimate showdown between AFL, um, that's the American Football League, Dallas Texans, and Houston's Oilers. Alright, so, everybody's watching the TV, right? Including, guess what? Kansas City's very own mayor... H. Roe Bartle, a.k.a. The Chief. Oh, that's kind of a funny name, you see? We'll get to that in a minute. Okay, so quick jump away. The Chiefs were originally a team of Dallas called the Texans, so that's why we started our story in Texas, and were owned by a man named Lamar Hunt. Now, he's fascinating. So fascinating. I got about halfway through a deep dive on him and decided it was too much... Had to pull back, so he will get his own episode listeners. I'm not going to talk about him very much today. Don't want to have any spoilers, but he is so intertwined with the team. We have to talk about him just a little bit. So, Lamar owns the Texans down in Dallas. Mary Bartle just finished watching this epic game, which the Texans won, and he thinks, you know what, Kansas City needs a football team this would be an amazing legacy for me to leave to my city. So he calls Lamar up. And he's like, hey, buddy, mighty fine team you got there. You want to maybe bring him to Kansas City? Lamar is a little back and forth on this. He would actually rather go to New Orleans, but uh, they couldn't get a deal through. So he calls Bardo back and he says, sure, if you can sell 25000 season passes by May 15th. So, you know, like, eight, uh, five months, then yes, Bartles like, cool, cool, bro, we got this, he gets everybody in town on it, they are super pumped, Ray Evans is a former All-American football player from college, um, he was also a basketball player, um, and he's now a prominent businessman in Kansas City, so he's like, cool, I'm gonna get the booster club going, we're gonna sell all of these, They do sell quite a few, but May 15th rolls around and they've only got 14,000, so they're 11,000 short. Lamar's like, cool, that's good enough, let's go. The team moves to Kansas City in 1963, and we're not in Texas anymore, so we can't be called the Texans. What are we going to call ourselves? The Chiefs, in honor of Mayor Bartle. And guess what? All of this was done before we even had a stadium. It was kind of the reverse of if you build it, they will come. It was more, we will come and then you will build. So where are they playing at? They're playing at an old ballpark Um, that got upgraded a little bit. It's where the Monarchs, Kansas City's Negro League baseball team, also played. Um, But again, that's a future podcast topic. All of these episodes are arranged as a story, right? So I'm not going to throw a bunch of names and dates and statistics at you. That said... This is a little bit statistical um, because eventually we will get down to talking about the players and, you know, like how well the team did uh, losses versus wins. So just a quick heads up on that. That's coming. Not yet, though. All right. um, We're in Kansas City. We don't have a stadium. Location, location, location. Where are they going to play? Well... Lamar is changing the game, baby. He's doing so much for football. Again, we'll get to that when we talk about Lamar himself. But he needs a big, new, shiny shiny, stadium for his team. They're looking around. Jackson County, which is where Kansas City resides, promised $43 million out of its budget for a stadium. See, I told you everybody was super pumped. Um. But we don't know where to put it so we're looking around looking around 18 different places get suggested and dismissed for one reason or another and they're basically all in the heart of downtown kansas city um if i remember correctly one of them was at the river market and then another one was where the convention center currently is or at least near that so yeah like not a good location right well one day this guy calls up lamar and he's like hey i've got 500 acres um, how about you buy them for $5,000 an acre? So, guys, this is only $25,000. And Lamar's like, yeah, that sounds great. Okay, so we got this deal. In the end, building the stadium totaled $69 million. And that doesn't even include the $43 million that Jackson County donated to the project. Or other sources their um, mon- monetary sources that they receive from state and federal. Okay? Um, if you are from Kansas City, of course, you know where they put the stadium down at Blue Ridge Cutoff. They decided to name it the Truman Complex, and they broke ground in 1968. So, if you're keeping track, that means the Chiefs have been in town for five years and were finally st- starting to build a stadium. We still don't have our own stadium. Now, it's called the Truman Complex because in addition to building a new stadium for the Chiefs, they're also building a new stadium for the Royals. Some of y'all's ears just perked up. Royals are going to be our next episode, so we're not going to talk about them today. The only thing that they didn't include when they built it that was originally in the plans is the retractable roof. Um, Lamar saw it at another football stadium. He said, ooh, I want one. But uh, in the end, it was decided it would cost way too much and put stress on their already stressed budget. Now you're thinking, we have $43 million plus all these other funds, and how is this stressed? But it is, okay? So out of the 69 that it cost, right? Ten of that came from Lamar's personal accounts. Not his business accounts, his personal money. And then in 69, so a year after they broke ground, there was a worker strike, which not only delayed building, but cost more money. It was a hot mess. Arrowhead Stadium finally opened up for its first game in 1972. So took three years to build. It's big and beautiful and new and incomplete. Wait what? Yes, incomplete. None of the VIP seating was complete yet and all these like little finishing touches that you do to make it look really really nice, none of that's been done yet. But there are seats for the butts, that's all that they cared about. Alright, it is on. Historically speaking, the Chiefs have had two major problems. And that's what we're gonna get into now. The coaches, at one point, they have something like a new coach each year. It's a little bit Harry Potter, professor of the dark arts, there. Um, and on the other, we either have a great offense or a great defense. We never seem to have both at the same time. So the first GM was Jack Stedman. He was a good friend of Lamar's and basically a second-in-command. He'd been GM of the Texans when they were still down in Dallas. And he served as the GM until 1988. He has a good long career. But our first coach is Hank Stram. He coached the Texans for two years before the team moved to Kansas City. And then he remained the coach until 74. So the stadium opened in 72. So he coached at the new stadium for two years again i'm sorry about all the dates i'm just kind of trying to help you guys you know keep in mind where we are in the story he is a very good coach though we like stream and he's credited with the creation of the moving pocket okay so for non-football lovers the pocket is this little space um around the quarterback after he gets the ball and where you got all the defenders in front of you and they end up kind of making a, a circle as the opposing team rushes and tries to get around them. And it used to be that you just held still and you had to hurry up and throw. So the moving pocket allows, you know, the quarterback to take a lot more time to see where his ball is going and maybe even run with it. We have a lot of quarterbacks who are well-known for just being like, all right, I'm going Um, Like I said, he's a really good coach, but things ended really badly between him and Stedman. And Stram ended up fired with seven years left on his contract for being, quote, too loyal to older players. In his autobiography, which I didn't get a chance to read, but it was referenced by another source that I did look at, Stram claimed that Stedman and he had never really seen eye to eye, never really liked each other, and this was just an excuse to get rid of him. And, I mean, come on, people. He's fired for being too loyal. Sounds like some BS to me. But I wasn't there. So, you know, take it as you will. All right. After Stram leaves, the Chiefs enter what multiple people called the Dark Ages. That's the 70s and 80s. Um, before that, you know, the team's pretty good in the 60s. They were the AFL champs in 1966. Um And then the AFL West champs in 1971. So AFL, or sorry, football is broken into AFL and NFL, right? And then in each one you have East and West or North and South. And, hey, Chiefs played in the very first Super Bowl, everybody. They didn't win, but that's still some major cred. And, you know, they only lost in overtime. So it's not like they played bad. They were pretty good. They also played in the fourth Super Bowl against the Vikings in 1971, and this time they did win. They haven't been back to the Super Bowl since then, which apparently is part of their reputation for being a poor team, but I really don't think that's a good argument. All right, anyway, so after Stram, we have Paul Wiggin from 75 to 77, and again, he's fired halfway through the season and replaced by Tom Bettis. Tom only served out that one half season. We had Mark Levy from 1978 to 1982. John Makovic, We're just going to call him Mac. From 82 to 86. And then Frank Gans from 87 to 88. See what I said? It's basically the defense against the dark arts. Um, and okay, here's some extra drama for y'all. Frank Gans was the special teams coach under Mack. Special teams are the kickers, right? And I don't know what his beef was, but he's like, I'm going to quit. And he was popular amongst the players, so they're like, well, if he quits, we quit. And in order to keep the peace, they fired Mack and promoted Gans to head coach instead. Gans last year was Stedman's last year as well. And after Stedman, we get Carl Peterson. This is the start of the Chiefs' glory days, y'all. Carl Peterson hired Marty Schottenheimer as the head coach, and they completely turned the franchise around. Peterson served as GM from 89 to 2008, and Schottenheimer was coach from 89 to 98. They cleaned house, y'all. Under Schottenheimer, the Chiefs won three more AFC West titles, and an AFC championship. And then went to the playoffs seven times. He also convinced Joe Montana to join the Chiefs in 93. Um, originally, he was Montana was a 49ers. But then he was traded to the Chiefs for two seasons before he retired. Now, he only actually played the first season. But he was held to be one of the best quarterbacks in America at the time. And fans were crazy happy to have him. My favorite player of all time, tight end Tony Gonzalez, joined in 97. Again, this is all due to Schottenheimer. Unfortunately, he was traded away in 2009, and I can't let this go, y'all. I kind of still not forgiven him or Peterson for being traded off. And then I find out this year that somebody else is wearing his jersey number 88. And I'm just like, how dare you? What is this? All right, so... The 90s are also a pretty good time for us. We stumbled a little bit in the 2000s, but they were not as bad as the 70s and 80s. And again, we're trading out head coaches, just not as frequently as before. We had Cunningham from 99 to 2000. Dick Vermeil from 2001 to 2008. Um, and Vermeil I thought was not a bad coach, pretty good. Um, under him, we had Trent Green, great quarterback, loved Trent. Um, He's now a sports newscaster. We had Priest Holmes, oh, Priest Holmes, powerhouse running back, and Dante Hall, wide receiver. He was wicked fast, super tiny. He could catch it in one end zone and run it down to the other without anyone touching him. It was amazing. Um, Quick confession, I like the quarterback. He's the head of the team, and you know, during my lifetime, we've had some pretty good ones. But I, if you can't tell, have a weakness for running backs and wide receivers. Huh. Where was I? Um, Vermeil? He's followed by Herm Edwards from 2006 to 2008. And then in 2009, after Peterson left, we had Scott Pioli, I think I said that right, as the GM. And he hired Todd Haley as head coach. Um, I didn't see this in my sources anywhere, but if I remember correctly, Haley was not a popular coach amongst the fans. Pioli didn't stay long. He was replaced by John Dorsey in 2012, and Dorsey is still the GM. Um, But under Todd Haley, we were the AFC West champs again in 2010. And yes, again, he's fired before his contract ended. But, you know, what can he do? Um, Apparently, there were still three games left of the season when he's booted out on his butt. (laughs) And uh, then we had Romero Crenell for a year. And I was like... Who was this? I did not remember this man, and truthfully, I still don't remember him, so sorry Romero, you're apparently not a very good coach. Matt Castle became the QB that same year, so we had Green from 01 to 06, right? And in my mind, we went straight from Green to Castle, but no, in my research, I find out we had a guy named Croyle and then a guy named Thigpen. And so when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, I kind of vaguely remember them. Again, they were really sucky quarterbacks, so that's why I didn't remember them. Um, Quick aside, from 2006 to 2010, the stadium had some restoration done, but again, there's still no rolling roof. Okay, now Castle, I remember. He joined the Chiefs in 2009, and uh, he had been the backup for a couple of years. And I remember being excited when he took over because... While he was the backup, he'd shown a lot of promise, right? And that first year that he was starting QB, he was good. But then the second he tanked, oh, it was bad. It was a bit like watching Green all over again. Green had been getting better each year. But then he took some super hard hits this one season and then came back in the next and it was bad. It was really bad. And then I think after that, he only played a year or two before he was traded off to the Dolphins. Anyways, after Castle, we had Alex Smith from 2013 to 2017. um, And Andy Reid, who's our current head coach, became coach in 2013. Andy Reid's a good coach. Um, Smith, great quarterback. Really happy to have him. We won another division title with him. And he ended up being a good mentor to our current quarterback. But we're not there yet. Okay. So... During Smith's last two years with the team, the NFL experienced this somewhat strange phenomenon. Um, And I say strange because it hadn't been seen before. But taking in the overall political and cultural climate of America as a whole, not strange at all. Um, You probably know what I'm referring to. It is the players' protests. started with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, He decided to kneel during the anthem to protest police brutality against blacks. And it became, I'm not sure if popular is the right word, but a prominent feature of football quickly. Um, You know, everyone joined in. And there were several Chiefs players who also joined in. Now... I remember at the time that there was something going around Facebook. There was this little um, supposed supposed um, statement given out by Clark Hunt. Lamar, sorry, this is kind of dropping ahead just a little bit. Lamar died and his son Clark took over um, as the owner of the Chiefs. So I remember this statement going around that he had supposedly made about if you're a Chiefs player and you're kneeling, you're going to be fired. Well, he never actually said that. Um, I found a newspaper article where he said, I would prefer that you did not. I would prefer that you would stand for the anthem. But if you do decide to kneel, that's fine. All right, back to our story. All right, we have. Mahomes! People are going nuts over this kid. And I understand he's super awesome. But it's kind of funny. People got their haircut like him last year. Um, I heard of fans getting his face as a tattoo. Now, there are a couple of written and unwritten rules for tattoo. The number one unwritten rule is do not get the name of your significant other as a tattoo. Because it will jinx your relationship and you will break up. If you don't believe me... Ask anyone who has a tattoo. And they probably have a story or their friend has a story about this happening. Now, I'm not going to say it out loud, but I think there's some similarity here. If y'all get what I'm saying, I didn't, you know, just be careful. Don't jinx the boy. For reals, y'all, he's crazy talented. Here's some stats. See, I told you there's going to be just a little bit of stats on here. He had 50, that's five zero touchdowns last season. And over 5,000 yards. That is a record for not just the team, but the entire NFL. The team had a 12-4 record last year. So they had 12 wins and 4 losses. That's one of the best records we've had in a long, long time. And they won the AFC Championship for the third year in a row. And they went back to the playoffs for the fourth year in a row. See, I told you, Alex was a good quarterback. We made some progress under him. And it was fully expected that we would go to the Super Bowl last year. But here's where I said that second problem is defense or offense. Here's where that comes in. Our defense was not there last year. The only reason we did so well was because of our offense, because of Patrick. So, sorry to say, defense let us down in the playoffs, and that was it. But uh, if you talk to... Any other fan? I mean, I again, I'm not on one jinx. That's almost say, but if you talk to other fans, they'll say we're going to the Super Bowl like it's a done deal. We have our problems worked out from last year. It's gonna happen. I don't know. We'll see. Um, back to Patrick real quick. He was named MVP of the NFL, and again, this is another record because this is the first time a Chiefs player has been named MVP. This is big stuff, guys. He's a big deal. Okay, Lori, you've talked enough about Patrick, who are some of our other players. Glad you asked. We lost Eric Berry this year. Eric Berry. Really liked him. He's a good player. Um, But, you know, he didn't play the last two seasons because of an injured ankle. And they traded him off. Um, We also lost Kareem Hunt. Last year, after the season ended, uh, if I remember correctly, it's actually February, so it's, it's actually 2019, a... Video surfaced that embroiled him in some very intense controversy um, dealing with domestic abuse. Uh, There's a lot of back and forth in the media, but eventually the team, um, aka the owner and probably the GM, decided to train him off. But Tariq Hill is still here, another major fan favorite. Um, Again, apparently there was some domestic abuse allegations which I completely missed I don't know how but it was determined that there was no problem and he's here we're excited for him and we also have cannot forget Travis Kelsey and we have a lot of new players this year a lot of defensive linemen that are new so despite all these changes there are really high expectations for this year one of the last things I want to talk to you all about today is the Chiefs training camp. So, the Chiefs training camp currently takes place at Midwestern, or sorry, Missouri Midwestern in St. Joe. And I don't know how long they've been there, but they've been there at least 10 years that I'm aware of. And it's awesome, guys. Chiefs fans come out, they pack the stadium, cheering on their boys at practice. It's a lot of fun. My grandmother and I went this last year on uh, family day and it was packed beyond belief. I mean, it was like a rock concert. I'll have some pictures on the website and and Instagram and maybe Pinterest as well to give you an idea. So we were sitting in the stands and for the first two hours, we got there just before they uh, started practice, um, like right as the gates were opening for the first couple hours, we see this steady line of people walking in front of us, past us, past all the stands, down to the end of the field to stand in the grass. And I start watching the the area there behind the field post, uh, sorry, goal post. And it fills up and fills up, and it's getting more and more red. And I can kind of see they're like, okay, we have one line, and now we have a second line and a third line. And then as I'm watching, I see people who I walked down there to the end turn around and come back because there is no space for them to stand and they can't stand or they are standing there because there's no place left for them to sit but look if you live in kansas city you should go or if you live near kansas city you should go there was a guy who sat next to us who was like yeah we're from wichita and they drove out Uh, it's five dollars to park and five dollars to get in and it's just a ton of fun like i said Well, that is the end of our story today. Before I sign off, let's talk sources. There are two books that I recommend for this one. Arrowhead Home of the Chiefs by Michael McKenzie and A Sea of Red by Jeffrey Flanagan. Alright, thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend, rate, and review me on iTunes. Subscribe to the show. The more people that give me a good rating, the easier it will be for others to find me. Um, Don't forget to visit my website, homegrownkc.wordpress.com. For today's episode, you'll find links to the Kansas City Chiefs team website. Uh, You will also, as I said, find images from my visit to the training practice. My email is homegrownkc.com podcast at gmail.com and I'm all over social media at homegrownkc and don't forget to subscribe to me on patreon.com slash homegrownkc for as low as two dollars a month you can subscribe and get additional bonus content that will only be available on patreon this will really help me out guys it will pay for gas for me to get back and forth to do all this research and entrance fees to museums um, thanks goes out to my sister-in-law, Sarah McCombs, who created my logo, and to the dear Misses for the use of their song as the intro and outro music, and again, last but not least, local libraries. Thanks for listening!